This is the Royal Tea Podcast, spilling it with queens, kings, and everything in between. The Royal Tea teaches and empowers young, queer people of color through personal testimonies and connections in our local community of Phoenix and beyond. We serve, sip, and spill the latest tea so you can take action to care for yourself and those around you. Not because, I mean, and, and right. I mean, it's like, and I mean, and Steve Schemmel with Janice Theater Troupe was like, well, you know, this is just something he had to do about giving voices, um, finding out like the, there's a, a Broadway play called As Is, which was really one of the first HIV AIDS plays. And that it closed on Broadway in the mid 80s and the following week was on the stage here in Phoenix. Because of a person, and how because of a personal relationship that he had with the with the director, and so it was, oh okay, so it was so exciting to hear stories like that. Then it's like, and then it's like, and so yeah, so I'm actually, so yeah, so I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many, just so many layers, and that's kind of the fun of being able to incorporate so many people's stories into what I'm doing. And then you also have, so you've got ASU doing the BJ Bud archives. You also have U of A with the Arizona Queer Archives. They're kind of doing the same thing, collecting that LGBTQ history. And are they collaborating on that? Or are they doing that as separate entities? Do you know? Um, we, we do talk. So, so everyone's communicating, but again, it's, and I wouldn't say territorial, but trying to just make sure it gets documented and can then also be retrieved. So it's not just going. Well, to yeah, someone's, I think that is. Yeah, I mean, so it's not just going to someone's closet, but it's actually now accessible. Right, and anything that it, it makes sense because there's only I'm I'm assuming with you know how many people might be actually working on it. There's only so much actual physical territory you could cover to talk to those people, to have those interviews, to record, to share articles or periodicals or whatever you might have. Um, I I just can't imagine one group doing it okay just for tempe alone would be huge but then doing it for greater phoenix or tucson and flagstaff i'm sure that would be a whole other right and then you, you know you've got like a bunch of people like the tempe history museum um at one point did oral histories with lgbtq tempians and so they have those archives as well so you can go hear a discussion with Neil Giuliano, with Kirk Baxter, and a variety of other folks as well. So, oh, that's great. And how, do you, how would you access that if you were interested to go um, to Tempe no, History Museum? I would love to say you could go to the museum and listen to it. But right now, that's not an option. Um, they have again, right. Because a lot, a lot of this stuff takes funds to be able to archive and digitize. So just the fact that they do have them, but at this moment in time, not accessible. And do you happen to know if there's any plans, any grants in place to then provide those institutions with any kind of funding to be able to digitize? Because I think especially with COVID happening and the fact that many of these institutions are going to be closed for quite a while, that we're still wanting and needing that history in our daily lives, but we can't access it. And, and I would love to know how to support institutions getting funding to be able to do that. Well, and that's, so um, ASU has a whole kind of marginalized community archive. 
And so they're looking at Hispanic history, black history, LGBTQ history. And so basically for those they want, they wound up getting, um, I, oh, I forget the grant. I think it was DeWitt Wallace. I might have that mixed up, but they got a grant to assist in that and really focusing on because it really is those personal stories. And so what they've been doing is doing a variety of programs where they would have a scanner available. So you could come and scan family photos and you would walk away with a copy as well as then the archive would have a copy and your story about that. So to get that really community history, because that's the thing. It's like, there's so much personal history out there that people aren't really willing to give up yet but scanning or taking a photo of it and then sharing that is a great way to start that ball rolling. Or along with that, they would have information on how to preserve your history and then wind up giving you an acid-free box with mylar to wrap things in. So it's it's acid-free and not going to degrade the material that you're wrapping. That's great. That's, uh, I mean, uh, I don't think that we as, you know, community members really think of ourselves as like the holders of history. And it sounds like what you're saying is we're, we're the ones that are going to preserve it, right? We are the ones that are going to get those traditional stories from our friends, from our family, and really bring that to these institutions that are looking for these either marginalized voices or just in general history that can be shared with others. Right. I think in a lot of ways, I mean, it's like from my aspect, it's like you look yesterday is history. So, I mean, I mean, this podcast will become archivable and that people may be looking at this in 30 years going, how did they react during COVID? in the LGBT community. Um, the fact that AESU does have a COVID archive that is specifically trying to archive materials th- that people are producing during this time period for future use. And so I've been working with them to make sure that the LGBT voice is in there as well. That's great to hear. I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, again, a lot of times we don't think about that we're living our present day living is historical, you know, and, and that idea of yesterday is history is something that we need to keep in mind, especially, you know, like emotionally, but also in this context of the greater history that we all share. Right. I mean, like my friend Lance up in Flagstaff, um, who has now a cohort of all these other new young men. I said, you know, if you guys get together, just throw your phone on and and capture five minutes of what you're doing. Even if it's as simple as we're just sitting here having a cup of coffee. Where are you having a cup of coffee? Who is there? Who's not there? What are the topics of the day? Because in five years, that moment, you won't remember it. It's like it's almost like a video diary. Where now you can look back at it and be like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like. That's the issues. How have we progressed with those issues? And so, so much can be captured, even though at that moment you might not think it is groundbreaking or foundational. But if you don't do it, you don't have that perspective in the future. Right. And that's that's really important for me personally have these moments where I kind of record and keep some sort of long 
where I am at and what I'm doing. Um, I don't know if it's really going to be anybody in the future, but like, it'll be there, you know, it'll be archived somewhere. Somebody could check it out and maybe it'll be relevant at some point in the future. And I think that's kind of, well, I mean, and I agree. I mean, I, and I think especially even with you, it's like, you know, your history is important. I mean, the fact that there was a point where you were not one of the sisters and now you are. And so how, how has, that community changed you. What have you brought to the community? What are the community stories? I mean, the fact that the sisters have such a history here in the U S and that Phoenix, the grand Canyon chapter is now a part of that history and that you're a conduit of history. I like that. I'm going to put like a little badge on conduit of history. Cause that's a lovely title for anybody to have. Um, just, we have a, probably another 10 minutes or so before you need to go, but just for funsies, um, are there a few places in Phoenix or in the Phoenix metro area in the state, uh, that you want to share that you implore people to go check out that are e- either important for LGBT history or other marginalized voices, especially during COVID and during kind of like Black Lives Matter and all of the racial tension. Where are some places in Phoenix that you would like to direct people to just check out and, and know the history a little bit better? Um, I mean, of course, the 307 plaque. I mean, the 307 and really kind of that whole Fruit Loop. Um, you had the 307. It's like then in the mid 70s, you wind up with Cruising Central, which was a bar that was so accepting of diversity of everybody and that was the fun of going there was seeing so many slices of our community there um then if you look along roosevelt there is now i always forget the cross street but over in the avenues there is the westminster building which was in the mid-70s home to two young men who got a marriage license in the mid-70s And that caused a bill to almost be passed that basically said same-sex marriage was illegal. Um, That was defeated, but it was still then enacted in the early 90s. And so the fact that you had folks who were pushing for this that early. When, I mean, I've also been talking to some of the folks up at Dene Pride about incorporating more of that indigenous people's perspective as well. So have not found any locations that are important to that topic, but that doesn't mean there aren't. And so that's the thing of starting to ask those questions. What are those places? What are those, who are those people? And starting to identify, I mean, it's like, just who should we be looking at in our history as well as people and places and stories. And so working with that to make sure that a diverse group of voices are what's being amplified instead of any just one voice. Right. Right. That's really important. I think, especially as we continue to define all of these different kinds of maybe minority within minority groups of asexual or gray A or um, transgender versus non-binary, those kinds of things. I, as even in the time that I've paid attention to like LGBTQ community, we're continuing to define and further create other identities within our group. And 
that has a historical aspect to it as well. And, and kind of finding those marginalized voices, even within our marginalized community, is going to be very helpful for our future understanding of who we are and how we got there. Right. I mean, it's like if you look at Greenwood Cemetery, there is now a headstone for a 1906 gender pioneer who passed away here in Phoenix. Um, when, when Nikolai was laid to rest, he was buried in a dressing gown and not given a headstone. And so earlier this year, we were able to raise the funds to give him a headstone. And so that's great. Right. That actually now commemorates him. And it's like, and his story had been lost for decades. And it was interesting because through putting this together, I also wound up connecting to an author in Russia who has written a book on him. Sadly, it's not going to be in Russian. So once that comes up, once that's accessible, I'm going to be looking for someone to translate it. Hey, royalty listeners, this is Eli from the T-Phoenix. And today I'm coming to you with some information about a new service being offered by the Southwest Center. In addition to teletesting, the center is now offering drive through testing. You can get a free 90-second HIV test from the comfort and safety of your own car. Just complete the health registration at register.healthavana.com SWC. Again, that's register.healthvana.com SWC. Then head into our covered parking lot at the center on Tuesdays or Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Park in one of the marked parking spots and call the number on the sign, and a tester will ask you a few questions over the phone, then come out to your car and administer your test. Staff will be in full PPE for your safety, so we ask the same kindness in return. Please wear a mask during testing, and again, no need to fill out the insurance portion of your health registration, as testing at the Southwest Center is always free. If you have any questions about STIs, HIV, sexual and relationship health, or any of the great services that the Southwest Center has to offer, you can access Southwest Center online by logging into GoToMeeting under access code 610-357-445. Again, that's 610-357-445. And a qualified clinical tester can answer all your questions and get you to connect to some of our awesome services. This service is offered in English, Spanish, and ASL from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Yeah, so how did you uh, come across the the story of this person? So Nikolai burial. So there are, so there's something called um, find a grave that is really heavily used by genealogists who are trying to track down their family history. And what volunteers for them do is they will go to a cemetery and photograph each headstone but also where each plot is and who's buried there and so i had a friend who was doing that with greenwood cemetery and threw me a note that said hey you know i found this guy's story you might be intrigued about it and so i started researching and indeed it came it's a fascinating story and one that was rarely mentioned I mean, I only found mention of it, I think, once or twice in LGBTQ press. And so finding as much as we could on that story and then realizing where he was, didn't have a headstone. And then it was about a two-year process to work with a cemetery to get him a headstone. Wow. But that's a great story and, and to be able to share it. 
you know, now that you've done the research, you've figured it out, and there's a book coming out, I think that's uh, a great way to kind of resurrect some thoughts and some ideas of, you know, who are these people and what what were they like? Because too often you hear, well, like LGBTQ people didn't exist before 1969, or, you know, you, we didn't see anybody that was cross-dressing prior to the seventies or something like that. And you're like, but that's not true. Like, obviously there are instances in history where this has been repeated over and over again, but whether or not their stories are shared and told is a different story. Well, and also the, the voice. I mean, I found two articles about a person in globe, that was caught dressing as a woman. One of them gave an account of this young man who was wearing women's clothing. The other article said, oh, you know, there is a freak in Globe. So even within wow. those mainstream presses, it's like you still had a variety of takes on the same scenario. Right. And so, again, that's why you can't just look at one side of the story because a lot of times those articles would leave out some information and play on others. So really trying to find as much information as we can, um, have not been able to track him down. Um, this young man who was charged, we haven't been able to track him down and see where he ended up or find anything about him. Cause we, it's like the name we have from the article may or may not have been his real name. So true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's part of the fun, but also the bane of it. Um, you also have the fact that in the mid, that in the late seventies, there was, there's a group called the radical fairies, which are still around. And they had their first organized meeting down near Benson. And so at this moment there, the, the place is still there. They don't list the fact that it was kind of the foundation of the radical fairies. But it's like, you know, at some point there needs to be a plaque, a QR code, some way to designate this and to start talking about that history across the state and try it. Right. I like this idea. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And so, and so, so that's kind of where the whole idea of kind of almost like a scavenger hunt comes up is trying to highlight some of these places and because we are so spread out how do you start sharing those right right yeah the phoenix and our general state has that like all spread out kind of feel to it compared to other cities for sure but something that i recently came across and i don't know if it's helpful at all but um, an idea to maybe think about is that i saw teachers that were having these kinds of virtual field trips and we actually did one for our school but maybe doing something with i mean because we're so technology driven now something with google earth of here's a qr code it'll take you to the you know the location google earth even if you don't want to leave your house you can't go out it's too far away covid you know quarantining uh all of those things in place you could still see the location this is where the radical fairies met or this is where you know club uh, or the bar 307 was this is you know where this location was and then the qr code could also give you know like you said a recording of the history of somebody that wants to speak on it pictures of perhaps where um if it existed and was taken a photo of like 
that you know is an article or something like that something something additional to kind of give a more well-rounded history of that location and i think that would be a great way to experience things when we can't leave our house right and so and that was so when we did the virtual walk so we did the walking tour of roosevelt um it was also a chance to play with the virtual software that allows you to literally take the walk and on each stop there's a photo of either the parking lot that tells the story and has a video attached to it that also tells the story so that you could either walk that space, drive that space, or sit in your living room and just press the button. Um, if people want to find that, I know there's information on our Facebook page, which is AZ Gay History. Um, and really using the word gay as that umbrella term, because as people are trying to figure out whether you use LGBTQ, LGBT+, LGBTQIA, or other things, it was really trying to figure how do you get one clean term that people can find. So it was not, oh, it was sure. not intended to discount anyone, but it was really intended to just help people find that point of entry. Sure, yeah. So AZ, gay history, all-inclusive, though, is what we're talking yes, oh, about. Completely. I mean, it's not, I mean, my goal, I would love to have as much on there. I mean, I posted some of the stuff that Paul has sent me from China there. So even though it is focused on Arizona gay history, trying to keep as much or in this moment right now, as bars are closing in San Francisco, some iconic bars that have been there for quite a number of years as those are closing. So I typically try to repost as much as I can find focusing on LGBTQ history. Um, Arizona, oh, but also looking at that larger picture. Right. And that's important because Arizona obviously is, is a part of that larger picture. Um, I know you kind of mentioned it before, but since we're kind of running out of time here, um, are, are there any projects that you're doing currently that you want to share? I did. I know you mentioned one next month for virtual pride. Anything else? Um, so right now, looking at digital storytelling and actually writing a proposal to create a vi- physical slash virtual space that is a place to share marginalized voices. And so really, just kind of looking as that at that as a place to empower folks and really getting a diverse voices in front of people that they can and truly trying to make an experience. I mean, looking at how do we have a multimedia experience as well as a possibly a face-to-face component as well as that virtual component. So looking at how to create something that is truly unique, that has the opportunity to share marginalized voices inside and outside the LGBT community. I mean, one thing I, one thing that's like, I keep looking back at is that the black Panthers were quite encompassing of LGBTQ civil rights at the time period. And so, and I think that's why I think one of the unique things with black lives matter is I'm very impressed with how so many folks are now looking at making sure we amplify as many voices as possible, not just a singular voice but allowing a seat at the table for so many people instead of just being exclusive to one or a couple, but having a lot more chairs at the table. Yeah. And that's, that's hugely important when we talk about allies and allyship, you know, we're not just talking about allies to the LGBTQ plus community, but we're talking about, you know, I can't, 
I can't speak on a lived black experience, but I could be an ally to amplify those voices to make sure they're heard and to sit down and be quiet when I need to be. And I think that's important. I think that we're going in the right direction if we continue this movement the way that we're you know, doing it right now, like you said, with the Black Lives Matter movement moving forward. So, right. and, um, and, any other... Right. And listening is such an important piece of that. It's not just sharing your history, but also listening to other people's history. Exactly, exactly. Um, any other comments before we exit out? Um, no, I mean, I think, other, I mean, this has been so much fun. Um, I look forward to, if you would have me back, I would be happy to do this again. Oh, sure. We could go into so many, like we said, rabbit holes, I'm sure. So I appreciate you being here with us and sharing your time here with the tea um, on the royalty podcast. And I, again, I, 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 love, I love the tea. Oh my gosh. We always have so much fun. I mean, from when we could yeah. do movie nights together, when we could, and now we're doing movie nights via Netflix. And so just having that right. connection and that opportunity to connect and communicate with other folks is so important. Right. We're making it happen. Yeah, we're staying connected. So, well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. 